intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live, and here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome from high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends. We've had a number of milestones this week. 100,000 downloads, which, by the way, is an incredible number for a podcast in the state of Wyoming. And when I post this replay of the live program, it will be our 300th episode. Can you believe that? 300 episodes in a little under two years. I think this calls for a little bit of celebration. Hold on just a second. There we go. I have to bang the cymbals every time I hear that. Well, they're imaginary, but, you know, you try to bang them anyway. So 300 episodes. Now, with anything, I think it's important to have milestones. And I... Hold on. Ah! There we go. Man. Done this a couple times, and I still have to try to fix things. Well, anyway, as I was saying, I think with anything, it's important to have milestones. And so I prepared a little soundbite for you to show you where this program started. This is from the first interview that I did on Cowboy State Politics. It's with founder of the Frontier Republicans, the Redcoats, Gail Simmons. Here it is. Okay, so you mentioned compromise. So let's talk about a couple things. Um, do, you, do you think Wyoming citizens are taxed enough? I, I think that, uh, I don't know what tax enough means. I, 
I, I think that we're not paying for the services that we receive okay, let, well, uh, let me, because let, we're getting it from the extractive industries. So, you know, if the extractive industries has the money to pay, then great. But otherwise, we have to take a look at the services if we don't want to pay more. Yeah, and Gail Simmons still doesn't know what taxed enough means. So the Frontier Republicans, if you're unaware, um, that's a group of Democrats who can't spell, and yet they refuse to change their party affiliation to Democrat. And, you know, I always say that I actually respect the Democrats. At least they're honest about who they are. These folks continue to claim that they're Republicans, all the while uh, advocating for policies that only a Democrat would believe in. So that's why they're the Redcoats. So anyway, none of this could be done without the loyal audience that we have. And I have to tell you that I'm eternally grateful that you listen every day. And I, you know, I couldn't have told you before I started this program how important this audience would become to me. You know, every time I sit behind the microphone, you know, I, I try my very best to tell you things that you don't know, to, to show you what's happening with your government. And I, I'm telling you, if, uh, if anybody ever wants to know how Rush Limbaugh or Paul Harvey or, or any of the radio greats felt when they sat down behind a microphone, just try to start a podcast and you'll figure it out. All right. All that aside, there's been some amazing examples of rhetorical proficiency that happened in the last few days. And, you know, I, I think that we should reflect upon what our amazing administration is doing. And so Kamala Harris, you know, she's kind of known for, uh, I don't know, uh, blurting out word salad. Here's a little little example of it. So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. Woo! Yeah, I think we should have another one. Go, Kamala! We are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. Amazing! I wonder if she's got another one. The strength of our nation has always been that despite the odds and the obstacles, we push to move forward. That we are guided by what we see that can be unburdened by what has been. Oh, no, man, that's amazing. The I, governor and I, oh, we oh boy, um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. My friends, we are in a heck of a lot of trouble. That is our vice president. She's one heartbeat away from sleepy Joe Biden. Can you imagine four years of having to listen to that? 
I mean, neither she nor Sleepy Joe can sling two sentences together and have them make any sort of sense whatsoever. And yet, think about it. He was elected president and she vice president. Like I said, we're in a heck of a lot of trouble. Now, there's been a couple of things that I think most people may have may have missed in in the president's speech and a couple of things that he's done over the last couple of days that I, I don't even think anybody's paying attention to. So yesterday he gave a speech at the United Nations. And as you can imagine, it was a bunch of mumbling and grumbling and you could barely understand what the heck he was saying. The important part about it, though, is there was a lot of rhetoric, but there was no plan. A lot of things that he wanted to do, but no way to do them. And one little morsel that I think everybody probably missed is this one. Well, where every nation, every nation gets a fair shot and economic growth is resilient, sustainable and shared. That's why the United States is champion a global minimum tax. And we will work to see it implemented. So major corporations pay their fair share everywhere, everywhere. A global minimum tax. Well, that's just fantastic. Basically, what he's saying is that every corporation will pay a tax to the entire world. Now, I'm not exactly sure how this whole thing is going to work, but there's an article that was written on June 16th of 2021 from the Heritage Foundation that pretty much explains all of it. So the first one, the first thing we need to look at is what exactly do what taxes do corporations pay in the United States? Uh, surprise, it's a big whopping zero. Corporations don't really pay taxes because those costs are passed on to consumers. And think about it. If you had, a, if you had your own business, you have to cover your expenses. Well, taxes are included in that. And so you just a, a, adjust the price of your goods to pay for all of your expenses. Ergo, taxes. But this global minimum tax, quote from the article, the G7 agreement is politically framed. Now, the G7 agreement is this global minimum tax that they're talking about as making multinational corporations pay their fair share after decades of alleged tax, tax dodging. In fact, their own research finds that corporations have paid a steady share of taxes as a percentage of gross domestic product for decades now. This suggests that this agreement might be something other than fairness. Well, of course, it's not about fairness. Nothing they do is. So right now, the corporate tax rate in America is 21%. And so this global minimum tax, they want to add another 15% from the same article. Under the agreement, all countries commit to roughly 15% minimum tax uh, corporate rate, but are free to go higher as France has already hinted that it may do. The Biden administration had pr has previously demanded a U.S. corporate tax rate of 21%. Now, here's the real insidious part of this whole thing. Listen very closely. So a 15% minimum tax um, in each country, which a firm operates, so <laughs> that means that they're going to be paying 15% worldwide with an additional 20% tax on any profit above the 10% base margin. So what that tells you is that any corporation, any multinational corporation can only make a 10% profit. 
And the problem with that is in any business, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have a small business. And so when you sell a product, you increase the uh, the base of that product. So what it costs you, that's your profit, the increase over and above. So what you need to do is be able to buy two of whatever it is that you're selling with the money you make from selling one of them, right? That's your profit margin. That's how you stay in business. But with this, with this uh, worldwide um, minimum tax, they're only going to allow multi-corporations, multinational corporations to make 10%. And they're going to end up paying, let's see here, 21% plus 15, that's 37%. Add another 20% on top of that, 57% tax on everything that they sell. Now, do they really think that there's going to be any corporations left after this thing is, uh, is passed? From the same article, quote, more concerning than the agreement itself is where it is going to, quote, build momentum for next month's trade talks in Paris. Now, of course, this was written a year ago. So those trade talks have already happened. And Sleepy Joe and friends are negotiating to steal more of your money already. See, this whole tax thing is, is kind of a boondoggle anyway. Taxes start small and they grow big fast because the, the, the people in charge say that they're going to raise taxes to pay for the things that all of us want. Truth is, none of us really want hardly any of them anyway. But when they realize that the amount of money that they've stolen from corporations and citizens is not going to be enough to pay for the things that they want to spend money on, they continue to raise taxes. And that's where you end up getting tax rates that we saw during the, the Jimmy Carter administration, you know, uh, in upwards of 70 and 80 percent. You know, this whole tax thing, it never stops. It continues to grow and to grow. Now, where this fi figures in with inflation is that, okay, so let me back up. So this past week, we saw the Federal Reserve raise interest rates yet again. So that is an attempt to control inflation. And what happens is when you start printing a huge amount of money, you have to have some way of taking that money out of circulation. And the Federal Reserve does that. Uh, through interest rates. So they print money on the front end and they take it out of the pot on the back end. The problem is that cycle doesn't work if you continue to spend money. So if you continue to spend money, inflationary pressures go up and then you add the taxes on top of it and well, um, your economy tanks, just, just like it's going to do here uh, pretty quick. Now, the next thing that you may have missed and frankly, I think just about everybody in the media missed this one because I went through 17 pages of Google and 25 pages of uh, this website called zerohedge.com. If there's anything weird out there that pops up in the news, you can usually find um, some reference to it on Zero Hedge. It's a great website. You should go check it out. But on September 13th, Joe Biden signed yet another executive order. order. So this one, says, quote, executive order on advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe and secure American bioeconomy. Quote, to coordinate a whole of government approach to advance biotechnology and biomanufacturing towards innovative solutions in health, climate, energy, food security, agriculture, supply chain resilience and national and economic security. Well, that seems kind of kind of vague, doesn't it? Skip a paragraph or two. 
Although the power of these technologies is most vivid at the moment in the context of human health, biotechnology and biomanufacturing can also be used to achieve our climate and energy goals, improve food security and sustainability, and secure our supply chains and grow the economy all across America. Yeah, they're, they're doing pretty good at that, aren't they? Here's the real sinister part of this executive order, as if everything they have done hasn't been completely sinister already. Quote, we need to develop genetic engineering technologies and technologies to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence. Well, that seems a little bit bizarre, doesn't it? What exactly are they talking about? Well, this is where this episode is going to take a, a bit of a turn to the weird and somewhat bizarre. And I'm going to tell you about it here in just a second. But first, some completely outrageous self-aggrandizement. You can find everything Cowboy State Politics at the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden, and you have no idea what kind of pudding you had for breakfast, well... I'm not sure I can help you with that one, but I can pretty much guarantee you, you can find all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't be president. So go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article and educate yourself just like you should have been doing before you signed that paper to run for election. Don't forget about the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Like it, share it, follow it, tell everybody you know about it. Of course, I'll post all of the episodes there, but also anything I find during the course of the week that I think you might be interested in. And if you'd like to interact with me on any other social media app, I'm on Twitter. The handle is at David Dom Iverson. You can also find me on Truth Social or Getter or Gab or MeWe, and I'll probably sign up for whatever else comes next. If you've been thinking about advertising on the program, whether it be the live broadcast or on the main podcast, and you want to put your money where my mouth is, all you need to do is shoot me a message. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. I'd love to get that conversation started with you. And now, let's get back to the program. So let me read that for you again, just to kind of refresh your memory again uh, from Biden's executive order on September 13th. Unfortunately, that was my birthday. Quote, we need to develop genetic engineering technologies and technologies to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence. Now, again, this is where things kind of take a turn for the weird. What this is talking about is called transhumanism. It's a particularly scary concept. So I 
to get a definition of what exactly transhumanism is, I went to whatistranshumanism.org. Quote, transhumanism is a way of thinking about the future that is based on the premise that the human species in its current form does not represent the end of our development, but rather a comparatively early phase. Transhumanism is a class of philosophies of life that seek the continuation and acceleration of the evolution of intelligent life beyond its currently human form and human limitations by means of science and technology, blah, blah, blah. So basically what they're talking about is augmenting human beings with technology. Yeah, straight up real Borg stuff. Not even kidding. And you can you believe that Sleepy Joe wrote an executive order about this. Well, the truth is he probably didn't didn't write any of it. That was probably one of his drones. No pun intended. Now, the only article that I could really find about this thing was from the Vermont Daily Chronicle. And now, uh, let me explain. There are lots of websites that are talking about this executive order. I mean, how could you not? But none of them are any of those that you would be familiar with. And so I tried to find one that at, at the very least sounded normal, which I should have known that we're talking about a subject that is not normal at all. So why shouldn't I be able to find a news source? But anyway, I found this article from the Vermont Daily Chronicle. Quote, Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, helps us decipher what is going on with this executive order. Quote, let me read between the lines for America. Biden, September 12th, excuse me, it was signed on September 12th. Whew. Birthday safe. Executive order declares that Americans must surrender all human rights that stand in the way of transhumanism. That thing I just explained to you. Clinical trial safety standards and informed consent will be eradicated as they stand in the way of universally unleashing gene editing technologies needing to merge humans with AI in order to achieve the societal goals of the new world order. Crimes against humanity are not only legal, but mandatory under this executive order. So my friends, what this executive order is talking about is something that is truly evil. This is the very nature of, of socialism. I mean, if you go back to its original, original philosophic beginnings, that, that socialists, and go back to all of the original uh, socialist regimes, believe that man is the measure of all things. They completely take God out of the equation and attempt to improve upon what God created. And not without using any hyperbole whatsoever, this is exactly what the medical experiments during with Nazi Germany were all about, to try to improve the human species and eradicate genetic mutations through genetic engineering. So if you wanted to know what, what the Biden administration is all about, here it is for you. Now, moving on. Something that I've done a lot of episodes about, uh, but haven't really talked about recently, is the Convention of States. And many of you out there uh, may think that a Convention of States is, uh, is what we need to do to fix what's wrong with our country. And if you're unaware of what that is, the Convention of States comes from Article 5 in the Constitution. And now Article 5 is the way it explains the process by which um, amendments are passed. Now, let me let me read to you the only sentence listed in the Constitution that relates to the Convention of States. Uh, quote, on the application of the legislatures of two thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments. 
That's all it says. So there's this outfit called Convention of States Actions Action, and they're pushing each state legislature to approve a petition to join this Convention of States. Now, their stated goals are stuff like, you know, a balanced budget and reining in spending and term limits and those sorts of things. So so those those topics are very seductive for most Americans, because as we all know, politicians get elected to office and then they you know, seemingly never leave. There's look at Joe Biden. The only real job that he's ever had has been in public service. Now, there's been a there's a lot of um, really ho- high profile media figures that are in that are or were in favor of this convention of states, and it always kind of baffled me because if you're a scholar of the Constitution, you know that calling a convention of states would literally would open up the convent open up the constitution for any changes whatsoever and because that the sentence that i read to you from the constitution is the only thing written down in our founding documents that even remotely refers to a convention of states there are no rules to it so basically the rules how of how the convention would operate are written when the convention opens So that means that even though Wyoming may pass a resolution saying we want a balanced budget, we want a balanced budget, we want term limits, and we want to tackle abusive spending, there's no guarantee that that's what we're going to talk about because there are no rules that are written. Well, not that long ago, Glenn Beck, and I I listen to a lot of Glenn Beck shows. Um, I I find him very interesting and uh, pretty inspirational sometimes. But anyhow, for a long time, he's been a very vocal supporter of the Convention of States. And recently, he withdrew his, his support. Here's what he said. Now, it's a little bit long, but I wanted to play everything in context so you, that you understood exactly why it was that he was withdrawing his support. Here it is. I've been, I've been thinking, um, and, and not a problem with the country. There's a problem with you. If you're voting for Mm. known liars, if you're accepting these incredible lies, there's a problem with you and you got to stop. You got to stop. Um, I have been a supporter of uh, the Article 5 Convention of States. Um, I've been a pretty big supporter, vocal supporter. I'm reversing that today. Um, because after some real thought and prayer, we are not the people to open up this sacred document. We are not the people. That was a God-inspired document that was divinely written, and you can read it from I don't know how many founders. Benjamin Franklin even said that. The very hand of God was involved in the writing of that document. Do you believe that we could send delegates to a convention today that would have that kind of inspiration that when they got to an impasse, somebody would be there like Ben Franklin that would say, let's pause and all go to church and pray. And they didn't politic. They prayed. I I am not for opening that constitution anymore Um, because we are not the people. When we are the people, I'll be for it again. When we have demonstrated our humility 
and our obedience to God. And I'm afraid it's just going to take a massive beatdown of our country to get to that place. But someday we will be humble enough. We will recognize God. We will not be an enemy to God. We will not be so arrogant. And when we're those people, I will support the um, Convention of States. But I would draw my support. And I'm sorry to say that, but I would draw my support. But it is because of the fact that this Constitution is wholly inaccurate, inadequate for anyone other than a religious and moral people. We are not those people, and we should not stain this document. Back in a minute. There's something I didn't plan on saying today. One of the... So there's another argument as to why you would never want to open up the Constitution. Who would you send to this convention of states? Who would it be? Would it be people like you and me? Would it be people like Mr. Beck? No, it wouldn't be those folks at all. It would be Mark Gordon, Eric Barlow, and Ogden Driscoll. People who are very, very much not conservatives. Now, an interesting exercise, like if you're one of these people that believes in the Convention of States and believes all of the lies that come from Convention of States action. And by the way, um, that's absolutely the truth. I've done a number of episodes on the Convention of States, and you should really go back and listen to them. Um, the guy that's in charge of it, his name is Mark Meckler. He's been doing a lot of appearances in Cheyenne lately. I have him recorded on audio in his own words saying that he's lying to everybody, that they're just telling everyone that they're going to tackle things like the, like the balanced budget, budget and term limits. And then when they get the Convention of States opened up, well, then they can do a whole bunch of other things. So an interesting experiment is to go to wildledge.gov and look through the bills from last year and you can find in fact you know what i'll post i'll post a link to it on the website so it's pretty easy to find but if you look at our at wyoming's application to the convention of states it mentions things that all of us probably agree on except for the whole term limits thing i'll explain that one at another time but it's it's all things that most people would would agree with now compare that one to hawaii's application for the convention of states it reads almost word for word as to what the Wyoming application does. The only difference is theirs says they want to take away the Second Amendment. So here's what I'm here's the thesis of what I'm talking about. First of all, um, once you open it up, the Constitution is completely open for any changes they want to make. You might lose the First Amendment, you might lose the Second Amendment, you might lose the Fourth or the Fifth or the Tenth Amendment. You might lose them all. Second, that who are you going to send? to this convention of states. It's not going to be the conservatives like you and I. It's not going to be people that believe the things that you and I do. It's going to be folks that are progressive in nature, that most definitely are not conservative, and that really, that really do want to make big changes to the Constitution. Next up in my stack of stuff, oh, I'm going a little long. So after the break, we're going to talk about a giant beef plant that's being proposed outside of Cheyenne. And we'll get to that in just a second. But first, let's pay some bills.
We'll get back to the program in just a second, but somebody's got to pay for this thing. This segment of the program is brought to you by Morton Buildings, Lessons in Classic Values. Lesson number 27, More Chivalry. Gentlemen, you're probably operating under the mistaken impression that chivalry ends with the opening of a door or walking closest to the street when escorting the missus down the sidewalk. That, gentlemen, is only the beginning. Allow me to illustrate with a question. Are you confused as to why you're sleeping on the couch right now? Elementary. You see, the garage is packed with all of your playthings because you didn't want them outside in the elements. A seemingly correct move from the outside. But you've done so at the expense of making the missus walk through the mud and snow to get in the house because she can't park her car in the garage that you built for her. Gentlemen, you can easily correct this by calling my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. Whether you need a garage or a barn or a roping arena or a giant warehouse, Nick and Jesse are the experts. You just tell them what you need, and they'll handle all of the details. And I'm telling you, gentlemen, once you do that, you'll be off that couch in no time. This has been Morton Buildings Lessons in Classic Values. That's Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. Call them now. It's mid-morning, my friends, and do you know what I'm craving? Hot wings. Hot wings from the Wing It food truck. They make the most amazing hot wings in the state of Wyoming. And not just hot wings, they have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. Now, to figure out where that truck is going to be, you just go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and go to the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. You can also check them out on their Facebook page. You can find their schedule there as well as the menu of those yummy, yummy hot wings. That way, you can plan your entire week over where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. And now, back to the full frontal assault on every redcoat that dared to cross my path. You can listen to Cowboy State Politics at CowboyStatePolitics.com, or you can find it on just about any podcasting app, iHeartRadio, iTunes, really any of them will work. I've even found myself on some of these podcasting apps that I, I had never even heard of before. And also, don't forget this program every Thursday at 10 a.m. Apparently, there's going to be a billion-dollar beef plant that's going to move from South Dakota to Wyoming from Ag Daily on September 21st, 2022. Quote, in June, there was talk of a $1.1 billion beef facility named Western Legacy Development Corporation in South Dakota. The project, which is slated to be the largest in the U.S. and spearheaded by Megan Kingsbury, uh, may now be moving to Wyoming. The mayor of Cheyenne said 
After the meeting, quote, I attended a lunch with a prospective new industrial business looking at Cheyenne. They would like to build one of the largest meatpacking plants in North America in the Swan Ranch Business Park. It is early in the process, but the $1.1 billion facility would be built to prevent the smells normally attributed with this kind of facility and could, pro and could provide up to 2,500 jobs. I'll keep you updated as the project moves through the process. So the question is, why are they not going to build it in South Dakota anymore? Not exactly sure about that one, but that was only two months ago. Second question, why do big industries always want to set up shop in Cheyenne? Well, that's obvious. They want to be closest to the levers of power. They want to have access to our elected representatives. Here's something I want you to pay particular attention to. Kingsbury said, and I quote, with the technology, robotics, and artificial intelligence that is in this facility, we will check the boxes of transparency, traceability, and repeatability that many of the cattle producing producer organizations have long advocated for in some format and that our friends at Fortune 100 companies are demanding for their consumers. Kingsbury is also aiming to make this new facility carbon neutral and mostly odor-free thanks to the harvesting of methane gas. So what I'm suggesting here, and not to impugn the character of Ms. Kingsbury or her company, I think that we should be very, very careful in who we, we decide to do business with. Because there are an awful lot of buzzwords just in this brief little article that might lead you to believe that this company advocates for things that maybe most Wyoming citizens are not in favor of. You know, things like uh, climate change. You know, she said that it's going to be carbon neutral or harvesting the methane gas because, you know, cows produce a lot of CO2. Yeah, and we need to take care of all that CO2 so we can save the planet. I suggest that the way that we save the planet from all of this CO2 is we just eat the cows. Moving on. There are a number of races across the state that have uh, the, the victor in the Republican primary now has an independent running against them. And there are also a number of constitutional party candidates that are running against uh, the Republican nominees during the general election. A couple of thoughts on this. First of all, if you're a Republican, you should believe in supporting the Republican nominee that beat you in the primary. Second thought, uh, it's a little disingenuous to, uh, you know, maybe wait until after the primary election and then sign up as an independent and still claim to be a Republican. Well, um, that's why the Republican Party last weekend voted not to recognize um, any any independent candidate as a Republican. Now, there are at least three races, uh, Converse County, Platte County and Goshen County, where there are independent candidates running against the Republican nominee, and they all claim to be Republicans. Well, by definition, if you're an independent, well, you're, it means you're not a Republican. Now, in my view, the number one issue in this general election is education. The number one issue by far. Wyoming education has been under assault by the Wyoming Education Association. If you didn't know, that's a union. And all of these progressive groups. 
Not that long ago, uh, Cowboy State Politics published a show in which we told you that teachers across this state are asking young students, most of them in middle school, what their preferred pronouns were. And of course, if you look at the Wyoming Education website, you can find something called the Safe and Just Schools Cadre. Yeah, their logo has the socialist fist on it. And if you read down on that on that website, I'll post a link to this one on uh, CowboyStatePolitics.com as well. But if you read down there, what this cadre thing is, is, a, is classes that train teachers on how to be activists. That's what I said, to be activists in whatever and probably the LGBTQ agenda. Now, the teachers union is trying to make all of this about school funding from the Red Star in an article written by Maya Shim Shimizu Harris, quote, uh, published on August 18th, quote, the Wyoming Education Association is suing the, the state over school funding, asserting that it violated its constitutional duty to adequately fund public education. Uh-huh. To adequately fund Wyoming public education. Well, it's actually true that the Wyoming Constitution mandates that the legislature fund education. And you can find that in Article 7, Section 1. Let me just read it to you. Quote, the legislature shall provide for the establishment and maintenance of a complete and uniform system of public education, embracing free elementary schools of every needed kind and grade, a university with such technical and professional de departments as the public good may require and the means of the state to allow and such other institutions as may be necessary. All right. So it's the state's job to fund public education. We all know that. Now, the question is, are we funding public education um, to an adequate amount? Well, roughly, the education budget for this upcoming school year is around $1.82 billion. Let me re repeat that for you. $1.82 billion. You see, the education budget goes up about $200 million every single year automatically. We don't even have to do it. The legislature doesn't even have to do anything to increase the education budget. It just does it on its own from the article. Quote, if the legislature continues to violate our Constitution by failing to fulfill their duty to fund schools adequately, things will only continue to get worse, he said. All right. So let's solve this whole issue if Wyoming schools are funded, quote, adequately right now. This past year, 2022, Wyoming was spending $16,224 per student. Interestingly enough, in that fiscal year, Wyoming ranked number four in school funding in the, in the entire United States. So for the, for the fiscal year 2022 to 2023, the amount per student has been increased to $19,600, which would also keep us Number four. Now, if anybody is interested in investments, I don't really have enough money to invest any of it, so I really don't pay that much attention to it. But if you're interested in investing, you know that you have to have a return on your investment. So what are Wyoming citizens getting for their $20,000 per student? Oh, excuse me, 19600 Well, in 2019, the NAEP standards, those are standardized tests, ranked Wyoming 20th out of the 50 states in their educational outcomes. 
The truth is, Wyoming students actually do worse the older they get in Wyoming schools. So then, how is it possible that the Wyoming Education Association can claim that we're not funding schools adequately? Seems to me that we're overfunding them. But there's another issue entirely. And I was listening to the Steve Dace show yesterday, and he was talking about what the number one issue in, in this election ought to be. Here's what he had to say. And this one's a little long, too, but I think that you'll absolutely agree with it. This is a regime poll. So regime approved polling uh, from The New York Times, which asked the following question. Do you support or oppose public school teachers to provide classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity to children in elementary school? This is the most favorable framing of the question you could possibly utter without just outing yourself as a pedo simp. You could not possibly frame this more favorably than the way the New York Times attempted to frame this question. And look at the results. Even with that framing, only 27% said they support their children being ch chattel for pedo simps. And 70% said no. Imagine if you would have asked the question, do you think creepers and pedo simps should be able to groom your kids? What might the results have been if that had been the question? Two things stand out to me about this poll, that even with such favorable framing, this is extreme unpopularity within the American people. Oh, and it's not just the question being framed. It's a New York Times poll. So, so are the results, all right? If the New York Times is claiming 27% of Americans want their kids to assume the position for potential creepers and rapists, and um, Dr. Moreau in a surgical mask, what do you think the numbers really are without the New York Times waiting of their polling? I guarantee if you ask any parent if they think their children should be taught about sexuality in a public school, the answer is going to be an emphatic no. This entire primary season, the nothing got more applause, nothing got more parents more fired up than talking about the grooming that's happening in American schools. And it is happening in Wyoming. I mentioned the WEA's website. I mentioned, I told you about all of the students across the state who were asked probably on the first day of school what their preferred pronouns were. And if you didn't know, by the way, a day after that episode was published, a parent in Newcastle was told by her, by her seventh grader, I think she was a seventh grader, that she was asked what her preferred pronouns were. The parent, by five o'clock, had the administration building full, and by six o'clock, the teacher resigned. Okay, so the number one issue in this election is education, not education funding, because we spend too much money on it. The number one issue is what is being taught in Wyoming schools. Now, a question from a listener, and the question was, uh, David, do you have any thoughts on the Sheridan City Council approving giving taxpayer mon money to nonprofits with a vote of five to two? Uh, actually, I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, now, the Wyoming Constitution basically says that we can't give taxpayer money to private corporations. Now, a nonprofit is private. Now, all of these communities, Buffalo, Sheridan, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others, are operating off of a mem memorandum that was written by the attorney general that authorizes them to give, and I'm assuming that you're referring to 1% funds, to uh, 
to nonprofits and private organizations. Frankly, I'm opposed to that. Um, taxpayer money should only be used for those things that are absolutely necessary. And even though a corporation is a, uh, um, is a nonprofit, that doesn't mean that they deserve to have taxpayer funds. Absolutely, it doesn't. Taxes are only to be used for those things that are absolutely necessary. And the truth is, the job of the government is very, very, is very, very simple to provide police, water, sewer, streets, um, and schools. That's it. They really don't have any other job. So they're not to be supporting any other nonprofit. Now, there's a number of individuals across the state that have started nonprofits that are seemingly, um, you know, about all sorts of political causes. Wyoming gun owners calls themselves a nonprofit. That doesn't mean that they deserve to have taxpayer funds. Um, thanks for the question, but let's get back to, to the discussion. So what the Wyoming Education Association is doing is creating a distraction for this upcoming election. They're screaming up and down or jumping up and down um, that they don't have enough money. We proved that that's absolutely not the truth. I proved to you that we're not getting a return on our investment. If they want to be continued, conti they want, if they want to continue to be funded at the level that they are, they need to show Wyoming taxpayers a return on their investment, which they're not doing. So in Wyoming, the number one um, manifestation of parents, the parents' desires in this election is the women's, the women's sports bill. And if you're unfamiliar with that one, that was Senate File 51. Now, this is really important when you go to the polls. That bill was defeated by a procedural vote. You see, during the budget session, it had to have any any legislation that was non-budget budget related had to get a two-thirds majority in each house to be brought up for discussion. So that one came up and they defeated, they didn't even introduce it. So it's not like they voted against the bill, they voted against talking about it. So when this was exposed, there were a number of red coats statewide that that was the very first thing that they defended themselves against. Landon Brown, Shelley Duncan, Barry Crago, all of them, all of the people that voted against the women in sports bill. And let's be honest, that's what it really was. Um, they said, well, we didn't vote against the bill. It was a procedural vote. You know, those happen all the time. And, you know, we, we can't be held accountable for that. The truth is they didn't want to talk about it because they're leftists, they're redcoats, and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be in the Republican Party and they deserve to be beat in this in this past election. But that is the number one issue parents are thinking about. What is being taught in Wyoming schools? The legislature and your local school board absolutely have the power to to get a handle on the curriculum and what is being taught in that school in that schoolroom. There's absolutely no excuse whatsoever that uh, school boards and the legislature aren't doing anything about it. So in any case, this is the number one issue that your candidates need to be focused on. And if they're not, they're going to lose the vote of Wyoming parents. Before, we, before I get to the last segment, let's pay a few more bills. This segment of the program is brought to you by 307 Cowboy Country. It's fall, and you know what happens in fall in Wyoming? Snow. 
So, if you don't have anywhere to put all of your backyard tools, your lawnmower, your rototiller, all your rakes and shovels, and you've been thinking about getting a backyard shed, then you should call my friends Bryce and Melody Reese at 307 Cowboy Country. Their phone number is 307-441-1815. They are Central and Southeastern Wyoming's full line of Montana shed dealers. It doesn't really matter what type of backyard shed you want, or maybe maybe you want a greenhouse to grow some plants over the winter, or you need a garage so the missus can park her car inside and she doesn't have to tromp through all the rain and snow that's about to happen. So whatever it is, call Bryce and Melody Reese. Again, their phone number is 307-441-1815. Montana Shed Center, Buildings for Life. And now, let's get back to the most scintillating conversation that you're going to hear this morning. I mentioned that there are a number of stories that have cropped up in the news lately that frankly make you want to look at, look at them and go, Huh? From the Red Star on September 11th, 2022. Quote, Lee Enterprises, parent company of the Casper Star Tribune, the Pravda on the Platte, is shining an investigative reporting spotlight across its 77 daily news markets throughout the country. Lee recently announced its new 12-member public service journalism team, which is comprised of veteran reporters who will function as three teams across the company's East, Midwest, and West news regions, respectively. First question. Who is Lee Enterprises? Well, they're a Virginia-based newspaper company. Yeah, the Casper Star Tribune is owned by a Virginia company. And by the way, the Casper Star is not even printed in Wyoming. It's printed in Nebraska. So from the article, they say they have 77 daily news markets, and they've got 12 people, 12 whole people, to help out their journalists. Yeah. So what does this mean? Let's see what the article says. Quote, at Lee Enterprises, we're investing in local news and talent and tools, premium reporting and storytelling, and the development of young journalists. How? With their 12 people over 77 markets? No, they're not. So what this article is saying is that basically you're going to get the same thing you've been getting from the Red Star. And might I add, the cow pie. Investigative journalism is just that. You investigate things that are of public interest. You know, like, why our tax, tax dollars are being wasted? Where are they being wasted? What should we do about it? I don't know. Well, investigative journalism, for the most part in Wyoming, is non-existent. That's one of the reasons why I started this program, to shine a light on the things that Wyoming citizens are not being told. The best example of that was before the special session last year. I got that wondering, why is it that so-called conservatives would be voting against having a special session that was going to be, be doing something about all of these vaccine mandates and mask mandates? And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why people would vote against that. I mean, even if you're a red coat, I mean, you've got to get elected, too. And at the time, that was the number one thing that was going on in the minds of Wyoming citizens. But a lot of them voted against it. So I thought, well, uh, maybe we ought to look at their campaign donations. And the first one I looked at was red coat Shelly Duncan. Yeah, she took money from Pfizer and all other medical lobbies. Well, a lot of other medical lobbies, not all of them. And then I picked another one and another one and another one and another one. 
and another one. And as it turns out, every single person that voted against having the special session took money from Pfizer and the Wyoming medical lobby. That is what's called investigative journalism, telling citizens what they should, what they need to hear, giving them information upon which they can make informed decisions, you know, like uh, voting. Next up in our stack of stuff, here comes the interesting and yet moderately weird from Breitbart. An article published on September 20th entitled Public Porn. German socialist group demands public broadcasters show pornography. Sounds pretty strange, right? And why would I bring it up on the program? I'll get to that in just a minute. The SPD youth wing, uh, quoting here, known as the Young Socialists, argues that German public broadcasters such as ARD and ZDF should buy the rights to pornography films that fit, fit with leftist sensibilities and show feminist and anti-racist men messages, claiming that normal mainstream pornography often fulfills sexist and racist stereotypes. Here's why this is important. Quote, the bizarre proposal comes just months after teachers at a union conference in the United Kingdom arguing that its member should be allowed to teach children about pornography, stating lessons would, be, would allow the children to understand and cope with pornography as they encountered it. End quote. I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why all of these people are so intent on teaching our young children about pornography and about, you know, about, you know, transgenderism and all these things. It doesn't make any sense to me. My thinking is they've never been a parent, nor do they have a single cell in, in their body that qualifies them to be a parent. So now you might say, well, you know, teachers in Wyoming, they're not teaching pornography. And uh, of that, I have no doubt, because if they were, they'd most likely be drug into Crazy Woman Square and made to account. But I'll tell you who is supporting pornography in the state of Wyoming. It's our library system. A while back, Cowboy State Politics did an intensive investigation. You know, that investigative journalism stuff that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Anyway, we did a whole bunch of investigations on county libraries, and I found a number of books in the children's section of Wyoming libraries that, frankly, are not fit to read on a public broadcast. Now, but the first one, before I talked about it, it's called Lawn Boy, first of all. Just do yourself a favor and imagine the most disgusting and perverted thing you could possibly ever read. And that's it. Um, anyway, so I found this book and I looked up the sneak peek on Amazon. I'm telling you, my friends, it's the most disgusting thing I have ever read. In fact, I had to pray immediately to get the get the picture out of my mind. And yet it is present in children's sections in multiple libraries in the state of Wyoming. One of those libraries, and this school district has actually taken care of this, so kudos to them, but I found a copy of that book in the Encampment School Library down in Carbon County. So that a little school in Wyoming, Encampment, I mean, it's not a very big town, and yet we found you know, a, a specific example of pornography in a school library. Now, you might say that that's just a one-off example and, you know, maybe the librarian missed it because certainly all of these books are recommended by the American Library Association, which, by the way, is, not, is anything but the American Library Association. But I digress. In any case, instances of por pornography, although in written form, do exist in government institutions in the state of Wyoming. Now, they may not be um, widespread in Wyoming schools, but they are in libraries. 
And so as a parent, you should ask yourself, why in the devil are these things there? Why do my students need to be taught all of this? And you need to bring those concerns to the school board. Now, in an upcoming episode, I'm going to talk about school boards and how they're reacting to parents or not reacting, as the case may be. And we're going to have an intensive investigation into that because I think that it's absolutely important. School boards are our employees. The school is our property. It is the property of taxpayers. So school boards, teachers, all of them, they work for us. They don't work for the government. They're our employees. In that sense, they should act like employees. And, you know, by extension, not by extension, but the school boards themselves absolutely should be listening to parents. And at the point at which they're ignoring parents, they need to be thrown out of office immediately. One last story before I let you go for today. And this one is completely bizarre. But the article is entitled, Your Pollution Days Are Over. California Legalizes Human Composting from the Blaze. In an article uh, printed on September 20th of 2022, quote, Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom signed um, AB 351, that's how they number their bills, into law on September 18th, enabling Californians to turn human beings into plant food. What previously would have constituted improper disposal of human remains under the law and qualified as a crime will soon be permissible practice for approved and regulated reduction chamber manufacturers. So wait a minute. We're going to compost human remains. Now, the only reason that I bring all of these things up, my friends, is to show you that our world is completely upside down. What was once up is now down. What made sense no longer made sense. And if you look at the world in which you live, and it seems like it's something out of an episode of The Twilight Zone, well, you're not alone. What we absolutely have to do is make a change in that. We have to elect conservative legislators, conservative, conservative public officials across the board. And what I mean by that is from your local boards, your special districts to the city council, the mayor, the county commissioners, and on up to the legislature. And unfortunately, we don't have a, a conservative as a governor. But it's, abs it's of absolute importance that we elect those conservative people to positions of power. That's the only way that we're going to make any sense out of the world in which we live. Thank you all for listening today. Remember, you can listen to Cowboy State Politics at CowboyStatePolitics.com or any of your any podcasting app. Also, don't forget about the live program every Thursday at 10 a.m. Of course, we start we start the program about 10 minutes early so we can give everybody a chance to uh, to get logged on. But anyway, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. I'm David Iverson, and this is Cowboy State Politics.